Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Biblically and Beyond podcast. I'm your host, Justin Paley. And in today's episode, we're going to be addressing the topic of homosexuality, the New Testament, and the importance of bringing an intellectually honest mindset toward approaching some of these very important and uh, controversial issues around the Bible. So really excited to jump into this. So without further ado, uh, let's do it. So this is this topic is obviously a, a somewhat controversial one and certainly one that has a lot of relevance to today's day. Uh, but a couple of caveats that I want to establish from the beginning. First, when I say homosexuality in the New Testament, you might think, well, why just the New Testament specifically and not just the Bible? Well, a uh, couple answers to that. One, I think homosexuality in the Old Testament is a different conversation from that in the New Testament, just from more of a historical point of view. They were obviously operating in very different historical contexts. The The overall attitude, I would say, is the same, since Jesus, Paul, all of the early Christians were Jews, and so would have some conception of homosexuality that is similar to that portrayed in the, the Old Testament and a lot of its infamous passages around um, attitudes towards towards homosexuality and such. Um, so I I don't want to focus on you know the stuff in Deuteronomy and Leviticus uh, as much, and it that that in itself is a very important and interesting discussion. But for the purposes of of today's topic, why I chose the the New Testament specifically is that I I think it's a good illustration of the importance of intellectual honesty when approaching the Bible, especially when it comes to dealing with and addressing some of these more controversial topics that have a lot of relevance for today's day and age. So when it comes to uh, homosexuality and the New Testament, uh, the second caveat that I want to bring here is that I'm and it's somewhat related to the first, is that I'm not separating New Testament from Old Testament in this respect. Uh, I'm, I'm really just focusing on New Testament because while there are some passages around homosexuality, it's not in the same nature as what we find in the, the Old Testament. Uh, and so I want to focus less on the the rhetoric per se, uh, which is definitely the focus in the, the Old Testament compared to, to the New. I want to focus more on the core principles and also, as I met, already mentioned, the, the intellectual honesty piece, uh, which I, I think that the topic of homosexuality in the Bible is a really good segue into, into intellectual uh, honesty and, and the Bible in a way that not many other topics are, at least in my opinion. So with those caveats out of the way, Let's move on to to the main topic. <laughs> so uh, I, in my experience, going through undergraduate and then going to graduate school and uh, getting degrees in religious studies with a focus on early Christianity, I have heard both students uh, as well as read some academic papers and have also heard some professors try to in my opinion, really beat around the bush when it comes to this issue. 
and essentially say that in this case, it would be Paul, but this could also be extrapolated to Jesus or any of the other early Christians, that Jesus and Paul did not think that homosexuality was wrong. And there's a lot of mental gymnastics that uh, are way too tedious to go into that they go into to try to explain why that's their position. That, uh, that ancient people had a different idea of sexual relations and homosexuality that doesn't translate to a, a blanket, um, uh, what would be the right word? Uh, a blanket distaste or rejection of the practice of homosexuality, et cetera, et cetera. Honestly, it's not really worth getting into because what I think it comes down to is just a lack of intellectual honesty. I think it's beyond any sort of reasonable doubt or argument that Jesus and Paul, just like any other first century Jew, regardless of who they were, would not have approved of the practice of homosexuality. That's not to say that people in the Greco-Roman world outside of Judaism did not have different thoughts around homosexuality. There are a lot of examples of uh, particularly males, uh, but also females uh, engaging in homosexual activity. Oftentimes in these, uh, these power dynamics between an, an usually an older teacher and a younger male student, and that this was sort of an accepted practice of sorts where there would be this sexual relationship between an older male teacher and a younger male pupil. That is undeniable. That happened. And um, while there were people who decried the practice, it nonetheless did occur. And there, were, there was also just more of a general acceptance uh, of, of homosexual tendencies uh, amongst non-Jewish Greek and Romans. But when it comes to Judaism and Jews, a completely different story. We obviously have the stuff in Deuteronomy, Exodus, Leviticus, that are very, very clear about the, um, the biblical view of, of homosexuality that Jesus, Paul, and all other first century Jews would undoubtedly have been familiar with. Jews did not view homosexual practices um, amongst other Greeks and Romans as, <laughs> as a good practice. They, they viewed it as something unnatural. They did not approve of it. And again, I'm, I'm trying to think of a less blunt way to put this, but there, there really isn't. That, that to make the argument that Jesus and Paul did not, or, or that, that Jesus and Paul would have approved or at least not disapproved of, of homosexuality is, it's just untrue. It's just untrue. Uh, because they would be the only first century Jews that we know of who held these positions. And we know that, for example, Paul says stuff about unnatural sexual relations between uh, same-sex couples. Jesus does not necessarily say anything about that directly, but he would have been no exception. Uh, there's no reason to think that he would have been. And so why am I stressing this point? I'm stressing this point not because I want to make a point on whether homosexuality is right or wrong. That is, that is not even remotely the point. My point mainly is that this example of intellectual dishonesty among 
people who should be really leading the way in intellectual honesty when it comes to examining the Bible is, is really disheartening and, and really troubling. Because if we're going to honestly tackle some of these more divisive issues in a modern context, we need to be intellectually honest, both to ourselves, but also in the way that we're addressing this topic publicly. Because regardless of anybody's position on, on homosexuality in, in today's day and age, we can't possibly, uh, from a biblical point of view, truly address the topic unless we're being intellectually honest about it. So let me give an example. Rather than somebody standing up there and, and doing mental gymnastics to try to explain to an audience who might not know any better, uh, through no fault of their own, not everybody goes to school for, for biblical studies and, and devotes years of their life to this study. Uh, most people are just, you know, normal everyday people who either go to church and, and thus have a theological or personal interest in it, or just an intellectual interest, they find it interesting. Uh, going up there and uh, basically trying to not explicitly say that uh, specifically, usually this problem is the New Testament because we view, you know, the message of Jesus in the New Testament as one of forgiveness and love. And so there's this inherent discomfort with saying that the New Testament, and specifically Jesus, would not have approved of homosexuality because uh, in you know, today's world, there are a lot of churches who do uh, accept, ordain, and um, are very affirming of um homosexual individuals. And so that's a really uncomfortable conversation. It's, it's extremely uncomfortable, no doubt about it. But just because the Bible says it, or just because there, again, I would argue, absolutely no doubt that Paul or Jesus would have denounced homosexuality, that doesn't mean that we have to agree with them. And that's my, that's my major point. And I get really passionate about this, and this was um, another reason why I really wanted to start this podcast is because we, we need more voices out there who are not staking uh, an ideological position, but just trying to instill principles that, that should be followed if we're going to have these productive conversations and actually try to understand people of, of other positions rather than our own, and just generally establishing a framework, a modern framework for people to, to understand and interpret the Bible, regardless of through which vantage point they're approaching the text. So again, to stress it, Regardless of whatever the specific subject of discussion is, just because the Bible says it, now this, again, might be very conservative or, or very literalist um, believers might very much disagree with this. But I think the majority of us would, would agree to one extent or another that just because the Bible says it or that Jesus said it, or that we could say basically without a doubt that Jesus would have, would have believed this or would have done this, that doesn't mean that we have to agree with it. However, 
if we're going to actually have a productive, honest discussion about it, we have to at least accept that first premise. We have to accept that, you know, Jesus or Paul would have fill in the blank or would have thought fill in the blank or would have done fill in the blank. Because if we don't accept that, then we can't properly and fully formulate our reasons, which may be very, very well reasoned and might hold a lot of, of, of merit to the extent where, you know, a lot of people might say, well, you know, if you put it that way, you know, that's right. I, I, I am comfortable with saying that I disagree with something in the Bible. And, and here's my position. I'm not just, you know, sort of nitpicking uh, in, in order to craft a, a picture of Jesus or of the Bible that just fits my already preconceived beliefs or, or what I think is, is, is right, which is not necessarily grounded in anything. Now, people are free to do that, and they do that all the time. We all do that to some extent. But again, this is about having larger conversations. And what's most troubling about this is that these conversations, at least from my experience, are not even happening, at least in large numbers, amongst people who are being trained to be pastors or ministers or teachers, whatever the case might be. And that's really distressing to, to me, and I, and I think it's really troubling. But to, to return to the main topic, so just because Jesus or Paul or any of the other early Christians would have denounced homosexuality doesn't mean that we have to agree with them. But we have to accept that undisputable historical fact before we could start to formulate reasons why we disagree. None of us follows the Bible literally. None of us follows all the commandments in the Old Testament, all of the laws and regulations. None of us follows all of the uh, sayings and deeds of Jesus or Paul or the other early Christians uh, in the New Testament. And I'll give one really great example of this that, that could not be any more uh, forthright. So to give a little context here. So obviously we have the sayings of Jesus in the Gospels. We don't necessarily know exactly, you know, what what sayings go back to the original historical Jesus or what deeds go back to the historical Jesus. And Paul doesn't really help us that much. He doesn't actually attest to basically anything that Jesus said or did other than, you know, crucifixion, resurrection, and theological implications of that. However, there are a couple exceptions, and one of them comes in 1 Corinthians 7. So I'm going to read this passage um, starting in 1 Corinthians 7, um, verse 8. To the, uh, wait one second, let me make sure that I am quoting the right, right verse here. Uh, let's see. Yes. Okay. Good. So starting at verse eight. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is well for them to remain unmarried as I am. But if they are not practicing self-control, they should marry for it is better to marry than to be a flame of passion. To the married, I give this command, not I, but the Lord that the wife should not separate from her husband. But if she does separate, let her remain unmarried, unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband and that the husband should not divorce his wife. To the rest, I say, 
I and not the Lord, that if any believer has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. And then the passage continues. But here we have clearly Paul is invoking the, the words and commands of Jesus here to clearly say, and this matches with what we find in the Gospels, that Jesus did not permit divorce and certainly did not permit uh, the, the divorced person remarrying. Or I guess in this case, if we're going just literally off of the, the passage I just read, for the, the woman to remarry. But we do that all the time. Divorce rates in, in, in the, the United States are, you know, extremely high. I, I don't know the exact statistic, I think, but I think it's, you know, somewhere between 35 and 45 percent, something like that. I don't know what the remarry uh, rate is. But also, until the longest time, I mean, the, the Catholic Church, which is usually thought of as this, you know, beacon of, of social conservatism, uh, eventually had to amend their position on, on divorce, which was very strict in that there is, divorce is not permitted under any circumstance, basically. Uh, but that's, that's been amended to, to an extent, though. I don't think that married people can take communion, or I'm not sure. I'm not up to date on Catholic theology and practice, to be, to be honest. But it, it, that's just a perfect example, because I could give examples of all these, like, obscure, strange uh, regulations and rules from the Old Testament that's very easy for us to say, well, t obviously, like, nobody follows that, and I don't need to provide a reason for not following. It's not, you know, it's, it's very distant, very removed. It's not part of the majority Christian narrative or even the majority Jewish narrative. It's just sort of a relic of the past. But not so with the words of Jesus. A lot of people take them very seriously and use them as a basis for their actions and beliefs. And so here, to have unequivocally no argument about it, that Jesus said during his lifetime that, that people should not divorce. But yet, plenty of people divorce. And so even if somebody wants to go around and preach on their soapbox that they follow, you know, they follow the Bible, they follow the teachings of Jesus, well, that might be the case to, to an extent, but it's not 100%. Um, you know, maybe the person is not divorced, I guess, but they can't make the argument that, you know, the people that, that people don't make exceptions and that there are really good reasons for making exceptions. There are plenty of really good reasons that somebody would want a divorce that, you know, to most people would supersede the fact that um, Jesus said that shouldn't happen. But if we suddenly go around and try to play mental gymnastics here to make an argument that, well, no, Jesus would have been okay with divorce and here's why, then we're, we're, Again, not practicing intellectual honesty. And we're basically imposing ourselves on the text in a way that prevents a, a larger discussion with people who have different views. Because we're starting from two totally different points. And that's okay in some cases. Some cases in, in some cases 
there, there are different starting points. But here, we're both starting from the text, and again, it's, it's beyond dispute that Jesus said that. So this should be a case where we're all starting from the same point. And then we can have a discussion from there. And the topic of homosexuality is, is obviously in today's day and age a lot more, more charged and relevant than the, than the divorce discussion. And so it's just, it's, it's disheartening to see the people, some people who should be leading these discussions, should be really setting the example, being the ones who are practicing this really egregious intellectual dishonesty. Because if we're going to bring the Bible into the modern world and approach it with a modern lens, we need to accept it for what it is. And what it is is a document, or a series of documents, I suppose, that most people would agree has a lot of value. Whether it's the message of love and forgiveness, whether it's the, the, the patience or the belief in a higher power, there's, there's something of value for everybody, and a lot of its principles are, are timeless to an extent. Whether or not you believe in God, whether or not you're religious, whatever the case, there are principles contained in the Bible that, that are timeless. But we, we will continue to sort of relegate the Bible to this outside, non-modern space if we don't actually bring an intellectually honest mindset to the text because we're, we're saying that the text is saying something that it's not. And we can't actually make any sort of intellectual progress in understanding and adapting the text to a modern day context unless we wrestle with the reasons why a lot of people are really uncomfortable with some parts of the Bible. And as a result, some people just sort of reject it altogether, or the, whether that's rejecting it as, you know, I don't believe in God, or I don't believe in um, Judaism, Christianity, or just more generally, and this is more my point, that the Bible doesn't hold a lot of value, that the, the contents in it are, are terrible and archaic and um, we should not be be using it as a basis for anything, and there's nothing of value here to to look at, study, and read. So we have to accept the fact that there's stuff in the Bible that every one of us finds uncomfortable, and that goes against maybe some of the things that we do on a daily basis or some of the things that we believe. And unless you're an extreme fundamentalist or an extreme literalist, that's okay. That's okay. But now whatever you do personally is up to you. I mean, you can choose to have totally ungrounded reasons for it based in, in that like, oh, this is the way I want to live my life. I don't care what the Bible says. And that's my reason for disagreeing with it. Okay, fair, totally fair. But I am not making this podcast or addressing these episodes necessarily to, to individuals. The, the larger goal is to address it toward these larger discussions and trends of the Bible in a modern context. And if we're going to make any progress there, 
we can't just have the reasons be, oh, well, you know, this is the way that I want to live my life. And that's why I disagree, because that's not one that's not very compelling. It's not being very intellectually honest. And it's also not very convincing. I mean, it sort of plays into this idea that people pick and choose what they want to believe in the Bible. And so it's just a bunch of nonsense anyways, because people just use it to support whatever view they're they're pitching on that day. And fair, a lot of people do do that, and they've done it throughout history, no doubt about that. But that doesn't mean that we need to do it that way. Like, just because the Bible says something doesn't mean that we have to agree with it. But if we're going to make progress in the larger sphere of, of public discussion, we need to have grounded, thought-out reasons for why we agree or disagree with something. And I would venture to say that if we do that, that will allow us to more easily understand each other's positions and why or why why we do or why we don't disagree and where our interpretations and, and, and feelings and, and rationale are, are diverging from one another. And the goal of all this is not to have everybody agree with each other. That's never going to happen, especially on some of these more divisive issues. The goal is, is understanding, having respect for one another and, and really trying to appreciate and understand the other side's perspective in a way that's not just divisive and, and yelling all the time or just complete dismissal. So I know that this wasn't necessarily, you know, a, a, a deep dive into, you know, homosexuality in the ancient world and a lot of the historical context around it. Uh, I really just wanted to use that that one uh, example as a as a topic that's very relevant to today, and that I, in my personal experience, have seen a lot of intellectual dishonesty around in a way that I think is disingenuous, that isn't being fair to the text, and that's completely unnecessary, because oftentimes the people who are practicing this intellectual dishonesty are um, usually quite liberal in their either in their theology or political thought or both. But they're not taking the Bible. They're, they're not fundamentalists. They're, they're not literalists. They're, they're very much, you know, in many ways, the, the opposite of that. And so the fact that some of these same people are going around trying to explain away what should be a very simple, accepted historical fact it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't, other than we're trying to avoid difficult conversations and conversations that might make some people or a lot of people uh, very uncomfortable. But that's just the fact of life. And, and we can't run away from those. They're not going anywhere. And so we need to address them. We should be addressing them. We should be talking about them, I would say, very much even in um, religious settings. Uh, but that could be a podcast episode for, for another time in, in my thoughts around that. But certainly in our regular you know day-to-day -day discussion, if these topics do come up, we shouldn't be running from them. We shouldn't. We should be having these difficult conversations because that's the only way that we make progress as a people and develop our ideas and, and um, really try to 
um, as I said, at the end of the day, bring the Bible into a modern context in a way that is digestible and understandable to a person of the 21st century and, and relatable in that sense. So I hope that this uh, little diatribe has been uh, somewhat interesting and that um, supplies some, some food for thought. So uh, thanks for listening, and I will see you in the next one.